Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Welcome to Star Trek Stories. Today, we're just <laughs> shooting the shit here. <laughs> um, a little cash today. Fucking send it, bruh. Yeah. Um, but for those of you who are new to the show, I am your host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Jaron. We finished another batch of episodes. We just finished part three um, of our 100-episode list. Um, anytime we get to the end of one of our little sections, we always just kind of hang out, shoot the shit, talk about what we watched and also go on tangents on <laughs> lots of other stuff. <laughs> Nerd stuff. Nerd stuff. Um, yeah. So we just finished our look at the TNG Renaissance, Aaron. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this one was better than the last selection of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was a ten episode selection, um, comprising of episode comprising episodes from seasons two, three, and four of Star Trek: The Next Generation, mostly season three. Um, this is that period of time that really sparked the pop- popularity of uh, Golden Age Trek, um, which is also what we've been covering during this whole stretch of time, Golden Age Trek for those of you who don't know, is that magical time of period when there was basically Star Trek on the air all the time from 1987 to 2005. Um, And Next Generation is really, really the show that kicked it off. And I mean, that really is the the show that the whole Golden Age orbits. (laughs) With three of the bigger casts on at the same time. Yeah. Um, Yeah, three of these shows do like like 170 episodes each (laughs) Um, with big, huge casts. Yeah. There's a lot to cover content content. Yeah. We're still just slowly at the bulk of our episodes. I think a little over three quarters of the episodes on our list is all from golden age Trek because it's just so vast. Um, But there's a reason why they call it golden age Trek. Yeah, so we just watched the TNG Renaissance, um, and kind of what we've been looking at in this one is recontextualization. Um, This is kind of when the powers that be were like, hey, we got to get the show on track, Um, and they turned the show from what it was in the early days, which was a pretty rocky, weird, wonky show, to uh, a beloved classic in about like a year and a half. Um, Not too bad as far as um, recontextually uh, trying to make your show good <laughs> goes. Um, I guess that's some of what we'll be talking about today is how successful this recontextualization was. And what, you know, now that we've watched these two sets of episodes, what ex- what is it that makes these ones stand apart from what they were trying to do in a more general sense, it's like what really works about what we just watched. And not every episode was a winner. We did watch Menage of Troy during this <laughs> segment of episodes. They're not, so they're not all winners. But even said, as a whole, much stronger. What is it about what we see, what we just watched versus what we watched previously? I think a lot of it comes down to the writing. I mean, um, as silly, I mean, not silly, as easy and complex as is that I think you're right though I think it is the writing it is so complex but it's like suddenly there was engaging stuff for the actors to dive into suddenly there was 
mm. stories being told that were pulling you emotionally and making you think suddenly like yeah it was it was just mm. a fine a fine line that they had to jump over from from okay to really really good yeah because when you think about it it's not like it's it's not like they change it's not like it's a radically different, completely different show than what they started with. You know, it's more or less um, like if, if some noob came in and like just kind of saw the first season and saw the third season, it's like it'd be hard to re- readily spot the differences. Uh, you know, when I think about the first season, like what we watched before this, it all strikes me as being very conceptual they're really like leaning into that like this this either sci-fi high concept or just some allegorical high concept but it's like like the 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 first episode is perfect you know the trial of humanity it's very like conceptual thing but not a lot of focus on the characters it's very just about the idea that's happening and then this um, I mean, there's still a lot, there's still big concepts they're playing with, but it's like, like you said, there's a lot more for the characters and actors to like sink their teeth into. It's like, oh, but like, yeah, so tri- humanity is on trial, but so what, what is that? How does that affect me? Um, they kind of zoomed in, you could say. Yeah, they zoom in. Um, it's not so general and big picture anymore. They're really seeing how this affects the lives of people in this case, the crew. And I think it's the, I I think it's a much better approach. Not to say you can't do the big high concept on its own merits, but to do that week after week, that gets hard. I mean, that's kind of twilight zone, I guess, but yeah, that's generally different people doing twilight zone. Right. And like, also not a recurring cast. It's like a literally just a different thing every week. Wiped. Fresh story, fresh start. Mm. Yeah, you know, after after a few seasons, you're like, okay, but what about the peeps? If you're sticking with the same people. Mm. Um, the, you know, this is something we kind of stumbled at as we were watching it. We did see, I wonder if, particular like the big, the big switch I think for us was when we watched Deja Q, when we saw because we were, we all were like struck it's like you know compared to what we've been watching they all feel really comfortable now compared to what we've been watching and i wonder if that's all maybe like either as big or number 2 is just the cast finally feeling comfortable with either each other or what they're doing yeah yeah i think maybe i don't know yeah something happened too behind the scenes i'm sure that's talked about but some come to Jesus or maybe they had a good off season and then they got the the script mm. for what they were going to coming in to shoot and the lines they were memorizing made them excited. Mm. You know, like when they do something else. like, Oh yeah, this is, this is what I signed up for. This is star Trek. Mm. So the vibe going into that shoot was probably a lot different than the first two seasons. You know, and I wonder if it is to some degree also, again, part of the writing, it's like, think about when we watched the enemy with Sean and a lot of that was Jordy. And then there was also like the worst stuff. And they didn't get to do anything like that in like the first season. They were mostly just like, 
I mean, glorified exposition readers. Jordy would tell them like how fast they're going. He would see, he would tell them what he could see out of his visor. Um, and then Worf would grumble Klingon stuff in the back. I'm a warrior. I'm a Klingon. And that was about all they got to do. Sure. You can tell Michael Dorn too was not quite comfortable in the, in the Worf role until about season. Mm. Uh, because they give him something to do. Yeah. <laughs> but like even as blocking in the first two seasons, some of the stuff they ask him to do is really awkward. Like hopping over the bridge consoles and stuff. Leaping over the wooden <laughs> railing. Uh, like, oh yeah, that was really Klingon. Good job. Yeah, and then fine but yeah, so yeah, they put Jordy in like command and engineering and Worf is security and like oh like and there are stories about their like Jordy is stuck on a planet with a Romulan and he has to figure out how do I make it work? And then Worf has to face like his prejudice with the Romulan and then fails. Uh, so I wonder if like the cast kind of loosening up, it's like the cast also reacting. It's like, I am getting scripts. Mm. I, got, I don't just have to say warp five captain. And then, yeah, I'm sure a lot of that stress too is coming from the top down as mm. well from Roddenberry, unfortunately, mm. like him saying no to stuff, him rewriting stuff, him mm-hmm. consulting, <laughs> I'm sure, on set. Man, we have to talk about Gene Roddenberry real quick. Oh, Gene. I just imagine him, old Gene, just breathing down everybody's neck. You have show, and then there's Gene. You just, no, doesn't work. You can't do that. They're perfect humans. Just this <laughs> sweaty alcoholic <laughs> just, just leering over you. Are you putting ditch in that one? Gene, it's a family show. The things you approve true. and the things you deny are just, what, what is what is going on in your brain? <laughs> you, know, you know, here again, bringing up Menage a Troy, this, I think of all the episodes we've watched, that was the one that Gene Roddenberry had the most influence on, and it's by far the worst episode that we watched in our... As I've been editing, I was like, these are all good episodes, except for this one. <laughs> Come on, Gene. <laughs> uh, you know, I can't hate the guy. He created the show. He's kind of like George Lucas in that, like he's an idea guy, but it's like, but keep him away from making the goddamn thing. You know, we saw what happened with those Star Wars prequels. I mean, at least we haven't heard any like truly terrible things about George Lucas, at least not yet. Yeah, Gene Roddenberry has a much worse track record than George Lucas. I mean, there are stories of people walking in. This is this is going more to the 60s stuff. You know, um, people walking in. Like, this is when like, uh, Gene Ronberry was sleeping with Majel Barrett before they were married. He was still married was to someone else at the time. The whole reason why she was on the show is because she was his mistress. Gene was always trying to get the costumes for the ladies a little skimpier. And then suddenly you walk into Gene Roddenberry's office, office and you see Nichelle Nichols giving Gene Roddenberry a blowjob on the table. And it's like, I did not have sexual relations yeah and i wish i was exaggerating these stories but this is this is <laughs> according to peeps according to, to nichelle nichols <laughs> it's like oh my god 
We haven't heard a lot of that stuff from George, so kudos to you, George Lucas. He mm-hmm. seems like actually a pretty good family guy. He just has questionable on the ground creative decisions. I mean, who knows what goes on at Skywalker Ranch? <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch, Skywalker Ranch. It's all the same. It's all the same. I don't want to get canceled. I'm sure it's all above board with the cows and chickens and horses. Oh, poor. You know what's so funny? Um, I don't know how much you keep tabs on modern day Star Trek fandom. How to how tuned in into it you are, the YouTube scene, the Reddit scene, not any really of that stuff at all. I catch glimpses of it on Twitter sometimes. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, there is a camp of people. Some of them are part of the quote-unquote fandom menace you know the people who are constantly like wokeness is destroying hollywood oh yeah these guys wokeness is destroying star trek wokeness is it's so it will whatever, whatever that, that on reddit over the yeah. over the years yeah 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 it, it, uh, it's pretty rampant um and you know i i i look at this stuff because i want to see I, I look at the I look at all of the discourse as far as I can see it, and so I see all the. F- it's not exactly this: the far right, the far left, everything in between in terms of the Star Trek discourse. I look at it all, and also generally speaking, as far as I can, as far as I can, um, it's so interesting to see. There's this narrative being spun, you know, and people are out there. They're um, People out there just like, oh my God, Gene Roddenberry would be spinning his spinning in his grave if he could see this. And I'm just like, you you do realize Gene Roddenberry, like, while he had some good ideas, he created Star Trek. He was one of the worst creative forces behind Star Trek. It was basically everyone but Gene that was making that show a success. And he was actively holding the show back. And when I hear this stuff about, like, it's all too woke, I'm like, you do realize that Gene Runberry's whole thing was your your woke stuff. But now I hear those same people praising Gene Roddenberry that he would hate Star Trek for all the woke crap. I'm like, you idiot. That is exactly what he would like it for. <laughs> Nowadays, if Gene Roddenberry was in charge, he would be all about this shit. He'd be spinning in his grave if he could see it. Oh my! It it it, it is so weird. It's like you, clearly you don't know anything about this guy. Like <laughs> it's nonsense. Or they do, and they're praising, idealizing the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because heaven forbid anyone actually recognized DC Fontana for being one of the big creative forces behind Star Trek. <laughs> what would DC Fontana think about? Ooh, you know, if I'm honest, I don't think she'd be super crazy about it. Yeah, but for different reasons. I don't but, think Gene would be crazy about it either. I think he would like some things about it, but the woke stuff in quotes. Which I put in quotes, which is pretty vague. He would like that. Yeah. He wouldn't like the conflict that we see in Star Trek. It sort of feels like if Gene was in charge of New Trek a little bit, like because of Mm. the stale-ish storytelling, like Mm -hmm. 
you have all these woke elements, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. progressive storytelling, progressive characters, but it's, it's like it's not engaging. Mm. Like Star Trek season or Star Trek: The Next Generation season three was when Gene let go of the reins. You know, the show blo- the blooms. Yeah. Like it's about the things and the events. It's not about the people so much, mm. even though these made it seem like it's going to be about the people, mm. mm-hmm. making them so diverse and. and mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where it falls short. Mm. It's like you're not you're not giving them actual character work to think about. You're just like you are this thing. You are the gay character. You are the Latino character. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Before we move on, any last final thoughts on like what makes this era, what we just watched, not just noticeably, hugely uh, improved off of what we what we came off of? It just you know, general sense of joy. From each episode, even the heavy ones, you know I like that. Yeah, joy. Joy is joy is huge in storytelling. Even if it's a hard story, you should be getting joy from the experience. Yeah, yeah. Any favorite episodes in what we just watched, Mister Cole? Any faves? What's down or or what stands out to you? It doesn't necessarily have to be a favorite. And it can either be the episode we watched or our conversations around them. Our Jake and Mindy episodes were such fun. Deja Q and Captain's Holiday. All of them. I've had a lot of fun editing editing, editing those. That, it's been fun. Ellen's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's always great to have Aaron on the show, too. They are very smart. Yep. Very clever. We had a lot of good... We, we, we had a good, solid... Every episode I've been editing and just listening to the conversations, I'm like, we got some good people to talk. Lots of recurring people this time around. Lots of Jake, Mindy, lots of Ellen, lots of Aaron. Jake came back. Then then Austin came. Like, all I'm listening, I've been listening to them all as we edit. I'm like, we had lots of good, good. And I've had to edit these down. And that's been tricky. I'm like, what do I cut? We talk about lots of good stuff in this. That's the thing. Overall, I feel like we've had a lot of good conversations in each of these episodes uh, with everybody. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had this season, I don't think, maybe listening, I'll I'll think again. But I don't think we've had a, a lunker or a week episode this season for the podcast. They've, I feel like they've all been very strong. I mean, there's Menager Troy. But even that for the show, like, but yeah, oh, Star Trek wise, like, it, yeah, uh, sure, bad episode, not the greatest, but our, our as far as our show goes, yeah. it gave us a lot to talk about, and we had a lot of fun. We did. Yeah. So for our show, it was a very good episode. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not to brag, <laughs> that's just how I feel on the inside. Yeah, it's it, it. We had lots of good conversations. The last go around, I think you and I talked about. It's like we actually got a lot out of this. But as I'm listening to this batch, I'm like, just because the episodes themselves are so good. And they don't always have to be good to get good conversations. Some of our best episodes, I think, have been like, this wasn't that great. But because these episodes have just been of such a a good, like, like the actors on the show, there's stuff for us to sink our teeth into. And I feel like in the first when we were watching the first go around of next gen, there was a lot of like, okay, 
this is a silly episode, but what what can we find that's good from it? This time around, I feel like we we're like, this was really interesting. And they gave us stuff to like think about and talk about. Like the show, like the episode, like Star Trek, but then just some of the stuff they were trying to tackle. I'm, I've been listening to some of the episodes and I'm like, a lot of what we're talking about is like what they bring up in the episode rather than the episode itself, which I think is like, yeah, that's what you want to be talking about. What, what it spurs you to talk about rather than like, what the hell was this? Let's, let's talk about where they failed, where they got it right. Like it's much more interesting. Okay. I don't think we're a review show, but I would love to hear your thoughts. I've tried to avoid this and now I'm really thinking about it. I'm like, uh, reviews are only so interesting, especially if you're trying to score something. Uh, for me, the great success of a story is when I don't even think about the craft behind it. I, I, I am almost laser focused and I can't remember who, who talked about, who said this. Maybe this is actually Nicholas Meyer, the director of Star Trek Two. The midnight refrigerator moments. You're having a hard time sleeping. I'm just gonna go to the fridge real quick, either get a snack, get something to drink, whatever. I'm gonna go back to bed and fall asleep. And you open the fridge. And earlier that day, you had seen something. And I think in this case they're talking about, I think he's talking about Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. And um, I think he brought this up in, cause like the studio, in case you don't know, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home is the one with the whales. And there's an alien probe coming to talk to the whales on earth. And there's, and at, by, and then the climax, there is this kind of communication between the probe and the whales. There's what have no, you done with our whales? There's no, but there's no subtitles for any of this. And when the studio was first screening the film, they're like, "Put subtitles. The, the audience should hear what they're talking about." And Nicholas Meyer worked on the script for Star Trek Four, and they were just like, "No, you know, no, 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 no. It, it needs to be a mystery." no matter what we come up with for the, for the subtitles, if we give a reason to why the alien probe is visiting the whales, no matter what we come up with, people are like, whatever. But if it's, if we never figure it out, then it's easy to be like, we don't know why something beyond our comprehension was happening here. Uh, and they're like, and they refuse. They're like, no, I'm not, we're not going to do this. And so in behind the scenes, part of the interview was like, why, why did you say no? And Nicholas Meyer was like, and then he started bringing up this going to the fridge late at night. He's like, this is, this is more interesting. And it's this idea of continuing the experience after the experience is over. You open the fridge late at night. You just seen this movie earlier in the day. You're having trouble sleeping. You wake up in the middle of the night. You go to the fridge. You open it. Look for a snack. Before you go back to bed, you're like, and you look up. What did those whales want anyway? What were they trying to say? Well, what, what were they want? Like fridge. It's, 
this idea of like, what was that? Why did they want that? Um, and it, 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 this, so this, this, it's a long winded way of saying this idea of, it's not even necessarily the text or the, the thing itself. It's what it makes you think about afterward. That I think, think we've got a lot of that in this. That might be closer to what a definition of art is or could be than the self-reflection than, than anything. What, what it makes you think about mm -hmm. in any kind of art, mm -hmm. you know, the self-expression is there, of course, but it's like mm -hmm. the why, why are they doing any of it? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they don't even realize it, but it's, it's for us as much as it is for them. Mm -hmm. All of it. Mm -hmm. And like what they think they're, they're striving for and trying to achieve might not be anything in the concept of somebody's minds that's watching it. They're getting mm. something entirely different out of that experience. I think that's, mm. that's what art is. Mm. It inspires other minds to think about things they never thought about before. Yeah. yeah, that's fun. And when you bring up this question of why it's like, there's two things going on as far as I can see, if it's, if it, if you're getting something really good out of it, why did it, why why did the author or the creators do this? But part of that all that same question leads into your own personal question. As you try to answer, why do they do this? Why did it like but then it starts to bring up this like, why did I go see this? What does this mean to me? Entire nations <laughs> <laughs> have been built on the idea. Porton Jeterson. Yes. Do you want the constant, the entire nations. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, what does that even mean? When you say is, what does that mean? You know, and, and here's why I hate postmodernists, because they ask the very same questions that I am. But, you know, I'm just like, but I'm asking it for a better reason, because we have these you know, preconceived priori structures and they're just like, well, it doesn't mean anything. I'm like, well, of course it does. But when I ask the question, it's different than when they're the blah, blah. <laughs> Kermit the Frog, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that one. Jesus Christ. Jordan Peterson. Uh, I, I was just asking, what was what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? <laughs> Lex Friedman. No. Well, it depends. What do you mean ice cream? Enti entire nations. <laughs> entire nations. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Where my mind went when we were talking about Star Trek just now. This period of the show that we just watched is generally considered to be one of the best eras of the show. If not the best. If you ask some people that being said, if this, if this were being made nowadays, do these all do these episodes hold up in the same way today? Would they could, could you make the exact same episodes nowadays, different technology, whatever, and be like, yeah, this is still, is there anything dated about this or do these stories still basically play as is today? Stories, no. Um, I think you'd have to change very little about the actual like language mm. they use. Of course, sets and costumes and stuff would be updated and special mm. effects, all that. Mm -hmm. But the core, I don't think you'd have to change much at all. Mm. And then a second question. 
because we have talked about if you're going to start someone on Next Generation, maybe you can watch a couple from the first two seasons just to be like, just to help fill you in. Otherwise, start in season three, which is more or less what we watched. Is is this where you start a newbie on Star Trek? I think it's a good idea. Mm. Yeah. If they like that, then be like, okay, fine. You can watch First Contact now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll watch one. Yeah. That's a good place to start. Yeah. Is this still a good place to start? Like, More or less? Okay. I could drink more of that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't disagree. It's like, especially like we, uh, Sean, Sean's first episode of Star Trek was The Enemy. And he was like, this was still really good. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a lot of context and a lot of details and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, I came in and I still got it and I thought it was great. <laughs> and he's like, I would love to watch more. Yeah, maybe this is, it's, uh, still works. That's the goal. Still works. All right. Well, thank you, everyone who's been um, listening along with us, um, enjoying the TNG Renaissance. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I had a blast. I, I, I can revisit episodes from this era and never get sick of it. I'm like, I just, it, it's a very exciting time for Star Trek. I think it's like, the at this point, I think the possibilities feel endless for the show and what Star Trek can do. So, kudos. To and without it, I don't think we would have had any of what, what came after. after. No, not at all. No. Yeah, this. I mean, this was the make or break moment. It's like if they did not rally and make the show what it was, I don't think the show as it was in the first season could have continued for seven seasons. Maybe years later we could have gotten a movie again, but it wouldn't have been like a a J.J. Abrams no level classic. Um, shout out to Michael Piller. He's the one who really got the show on track. The head writer in season three and a lot of what we have to thank for is because of him. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. May you rest in peace. Oh, man. Well, you know, speaking of, um, I don't know, um, a renaissance, speaking of things that really took us into a whole new era we have another nerd movie coming on the fran- uh, on the horizon, Aaron. The Renaissance. The Renaissance. Yeah. Um, taking it up a notch. Maybe taking it in a different direction. Different direction. Not just better, but di- different and better. Um, we got another Star Trek palate cleanser coming up. Um. For any of you new to the show, um, in between our little episode selections, we do nerd movies um, to kind of wipe the slate clean. We talk about something completely different, non-Star Trek related, and then we'll go back into more Star Trek. Um, And that's what we have coming up next week. Nerd Movies 3. You know, Aaron, I, I really love doing these. These are, especially as like, let's just do something different. Yeah. You can always kind of tell in the season when we're itching to do another nerd movie because we start talking about other things mm-hmm. in the episodes besides Star Trek. Yeah. What we came here to do. You start getting wistful. Yeah. But what else? The Wanderlust. Um, 
but you know, very much in the spirit of Star Trek exploration. Um, we aren't just limited to Star Trek. Star Trek is as much as I love it, it is not the end all be all. Um, and it's fun to tackle other things as we look at Star Trek. I think it just makes our Star Trek commentary better, if I'm honest. Makes the show better. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Um, next week, we have Nerd Movies 3 coming up. Um, last time we did a Nerd Movies on Nerd Movies 2, we watched The Batman. The Batman. The Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we watched the Batman. That was our first superhero movie. Sign in away. <laughs> I think we were generally positive on that movie. Generally, uh, Jenny did not like it. No, no, she had but, some good points. Yeah, I think I was. Uh, I wasn't negative on the film, but I think yeah, I I, I think for me that's like smack dab in the middle of my Batman. I don't like there were th- there are things I really liked about it and there and there were things I didn't really like about it. Um I mean I'll take that over the Schumacher films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still yeah. Uh I think I would take that over the Dark Knight Rises too. Yeah, certainly. I don't think I would take it over the other two Christopher Nolan films. Um and I might put it on par with the first Tim Burton film like 89 Batman and Matt Reeves the Batman I think more or less would be in the same place and I think I would actually rate Batman Returns better I, I really like Batman Returns it's such a wild movie it is wild that's why I like it yeah. it's so wild um, it's also not three hours long <laughs> <laughs> appreciates that about that movie um so yeah, we've so far we've tackled more space stuff with Star Wars. We've tackled superhero stuff with Batman. Um, this time around, we're going back in time again. Um, we're going to be looking at one of the movies that changed cinema forever. So I guess also on a par with Star Wars. Star Wars is definitely one of those movies. We are also going to be looking at specifically the summer blockbuster. I don't know if you'd exactly call this a genre, but it's definitely a type of nerd movie. The summer blockbuster. Um, uh, For nerds of movies. Um, And summer blockbusters have been a cinematic force now for decades. So yeah, this might be an interesting time to um, revisit where the summer blockbuster started because that has not always been a thing in, in moviedom. Um, yeah. So we are going to be looking at quote unquote, the first summer blockbuster in nerd movies three. Um, the jazz singer, (laughs) the, the Neil diamond. (laughs) Uh, no, that is not what we're watching. Oh. Thank God. Um, we are going to be watching 1975's 
Jaws. <laughs> Jaws. We're going to be watching Jaws on Nerd Movies 3. When was the last time you watched this? You've seen this before, right? Once or twice. Yeah. Um, many times as a kid, never all the way through growing up because it scared the crap out of me. I had to wait until I was like older to jump in and watch some Jaws. Yeah. I should have watched it when it scared the crap out of me because when I watched it later, it was corny. And the, oh. and the shark was goofy, and I was like, "Oh, this is nothing." What yeah. was I so scared about? Yeah, yeah. Silly goose. Well, yeah, I, I've watched Jaws, but been a second for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think for me it was when. Do you remember back in Boy's House, The Next Generation, when Andrew and I did that Steven Spielbergathon? Not specifically, no. I know there was a lot of people dropping in and out, but Andrew and I specifically started with Duel, his made-for-TV movie, and watched through everything he'd released up to that point, which at the point at the time was Lincoln. So I think the the last time I watched it was during that Spielbergathon, which would have been like 2012, 2011, or yeah, 2012, 2013 is when that would have been. Um. I love Jaws. It's been a second since I've seen it. I don't watch it all the time, but every time I every time I sit down and watch it, I I have such a blast with it. I think it's really good. But who knows? Maybe I'll have different thoughts this time. Yeah, I'm hoping that for this for me. I'm thinking this will be the time I sit down and watch it and really learn to appreciate it, mm. make it more memorable mm. for myself. In terms of nerd movies. Steven Spielberg is a brand of nerd movie in his own right. Yeah. Um, Steven Spielberg is a genre. Kind of. He's so prolific and so specific. He, he could almost be. It's like has, Star Trek is. It's almost like specific. He has a catalog genre. too. Right? Yes. Yes. Um, and especially for the film nerds. Hmm. Spielberg is, you know. He, the Spielberg Cuber cage. Yes. Yeah. Um, Studied for centuries i'm sure as long as the world doesn't end yeah and i think that'll be something we can look at too uh, i don't know if you've heard this term before that spielberg magic <laughs> that'll be interesting to look at in this movie it's like what is the spielberg magic and how has that made its own little like subgenre of nerd movie like literally spielberg movies um i'll be curious to yeah to see if we can come up with any thoughts on what 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 the magic is um also jaws is more or less a horror movie yeah which we haven't really done yet no um you know if you're looking at speculative fiction there are three big tiers in the triangle sci-fi which i think i think we've probably covered before i think we've dabbled (laughs) dipped our toe in that water uh the other one being fantasy I would argue Star Wars is fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars. Some Star Wars fans would take offense to that. I am, but I would agree with you. I, I think it, it it it's set in space, but it follows all of the trappings of fantasy. Space magic. Yeah. You and I always talk about it from like a purist standpoint. Just the original trilogy. Yeah, like, it's fantasy. It's a fantasy space opera. Hero's Journey. Even the like, prequels too. Yeah, um, yeah. It's very all, magical. It, very magical. Very fantasy. Um. And tier three, the other third pillar of 
speculative fiction is is horror or monster movies. My least or, favorite of the fictions. I would agree. For me, it's down near the bottom. Though I will say, in in my estimation, when it's done well, I love it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's often done well. <laughs> it's a lot of jump scares and terrible plots and. Yes, but that's become a thing that you can do well too, and so that's what Mark mm. uh, has helped me learn to appreciate the the art of the. You're talking about Evil Dead, a little bit, <laughs> and movies like Evil Dead, the art of, of the bad horror movie, the campy horror movie. There's that, something that's about fair. It. That's fair. There's something to be appreciated. But there's a, there's a lot of just like this isn't so bad. It's good. It's just bad. Yeah, it's so horror, bad. It's horror bad. movies out there. <laughs> There's always a rush. I, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm always looking for the deeper meanings to things. Hmm. Jaws is a horror movie. Um, so uh, this is the last of the three big speculative fiction. We're gonna need a bigger boat. There, there are others, of course. The superhero is also a genre of speculative fiction. I live somewhere between like sci-fi and fantasy. How are we going to tackle historical fiction? There's historical fiction on there. Oh yeah, a lot of it's in the form of war films. Yeah, <laughs> so probably one of those because war films look great in 4K. Yeah, for <laughs> look at that blood. Oh my god! Look at the bullets tear through that guy. <laughs> Looks so real. Um. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. Um. Do our first little look at horror. Um, yeah, Spielberg horror summer blockbuster. Like this is Jaws is definitely a nerd movie, and if you're looking, if you're like, those are three subcategories of nerd movie. And to go back and watch it now too, especially you nerd, nerd. when you watching Jaws, you dork. Because Jaws is still great. Um, yeah, so we're gonna have uh, as always for these films, we have three guest hosts coming on with us. We've got a lot of fun peeps showing up. Um, first off, for our newbie. Never seen it. Never seen it. Never seen a lot of things. Um, I'm working on that slowly. Oh, yeah. You know this person. I'm aware of this person. You're aware of this person. My wife. My wife. Cass is coming back. Cass Cole is coming yeah. back on the show, everyone. Um, Cass has never seen Jaws. No. I, when we were talking about it, I was like, let me ask Cass for a newbie because I'm almost sure. I'm almost positive she's never seen it. Yeah. I was right. Um, so Cass is someone who hasn't seen a lot of stuff. Just can't sit down and focus on movies. They're, they're not a movie person. No. Hmm. Another thing, like, love certain movies. I'm nostalgic about certain movies. Night's Tale comes to mind. Mm-hmm. God, I haven't seen that for fucking years. Oh my god, I love that movie. She introduced me to that movie. Heath Ledger. Yeah. 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 I remember we were on a date, I think, a Netflix and chill, mm. but more Netflix. Mm-hmm. We were actually going to sit yeah, down yeah. and watch a movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just like Night's Tale, I was like, I've never seen it, and the look she gave me, it's like so disappointed and heartbroken, and like I might actually have to break up with this person tonight. <laughs> Because he's never seen a Knight's Tale. She texts her dad. She's like, Aaron's never seen Knight's Tale. And the first thing he said was break up with him. <laughs> we're married now, folks. And we're married now. <laughs> Happily married. 
going on four years. You know, that's always so fun though. Is always getting to introduce someone to the the thing. That's a big part of why I love movies mm. and why I've shown her a lot of those movies. And I'm so happy she hasn't seen a lot of them because I get to watch her watch a lot of things for the first time. Well, hell yeah! It's always uh, I always love introducing uh, friends to new movies, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, we also have a couple of people we're going to be bringing on who have seen this movie, um, though not in a, in a good long while. So um, a couple of people who have seen it, but um, we'll have relatively fresh perspectives. Um, returning to the show, we will be having my brother Tanner Hatch. Um, Tanner hasn't been on since way back when we first started. He's the last of our... Uh, original slew of guests uh, that hasn't been on a second time. So um, Tanner will be making his long-awaited return to the show. Um, and then we will be having a brand new friend coming on um, to watch it with us as well. So a couple of returning friends and a new one. Um, should be a lot of fun um, all <laughs> sitting together and watching this Silly monster shark movie. It, you know, sharks are actually deeply misunderstood creatures. So sure. I'm sure we'll get into it when we talk about Jaws. I, I did have a, a terrible nightmare about sharks the other night after uh, I heard an a interview about them, a thing mm. on NPR mm. about the deeply misunderstood sharks. And mm -hmm. then one came after me in my dreams. <laughs> Foxers. This is where you're good for misunderstanding me. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, next week, Nerd Movies 3, Jaws. Um, we'll get into it with the sharks. The deeply misunderstood type Deeply shark. misunderstood. I'm looking actually forward to it. Though. Social and curious creatures. Uh, though I will be coming at it with a new lens this time around, so I'm sure that's going to give us some perspective to think about. Jaws looks a lot different when you're vegan. Oh. <laughs> it's a circle of <laughs> Um Mufasa, Lion King, the prequel, in theaters 2024. Be there, be square. Is that really happening? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. The story about Hamlet's dad that nobody wanted. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's no hope left. And that's it, folks. End it all. Good night. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story, you can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.